I was like, everyone go fuck yourself. I don't want to talk to you. So I like, are we allowed to swear? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, like, fuck oh no. yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Long Form Conversations, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. I am your host, David, and uh, our guest today is someone uh, that I've been wanting to chat about to learn more about their improv history. This is, uh, again, an improviser, a writer, performer. This is Katie O'Hearn. Hey. Hi, Katie. How's it going? Pretty good. Um, I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but I do have a little bit of a cold, so just bear with the, like, nasally. Like, I'll try, I'm going to try my best to not. <laughs> no. You sound, uh, you sound great. You sound uh, like normal to me. Perfect. Um, I'm digging for a compliment. So good. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice has such music to it. I feel like you should be sick more often. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Same. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for uh, uh, doing this and doing this over zoom. You told me uh, uh, just this morning that you weren't feeling well. Thanks for powering through. What a trooper. And honestly, thank you. What a professional operation you have going that you could immediately accommodate a Zoom call. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how we do it in the big leagues, you know? If, uh, if someone can't come in, you switch to Zoom. Not everyone can say they can do that. Not everybody can, my friend. Hashtag blessed to be able to get a Zoom account at such short notice. Um, uh, great. Uh, speaking of um, uh, short notice and everything, uh, I saw your uh, shag and agenda show last night. Yeah. I, and I did call you out because you dropped your phone in the. Yes, you kidding? did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 thanks so much for doing that. Thanks for calling me out. I was, it was audience interaction. I made you part of the performance. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's a really smooth thing that you did because it was like an audience interactive part. You were asking folks to um, throw out uh, uh, items to add to the gay agenda. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to lean forward because I, I had the worst seat in the house. I was like behind the stage pretty much. And behind, we have this big board in the show and you were like behind the board. And I was just <laughs> leaning over just like ever so slightly to try to read it. And then I dropped my phone. And yeah, uh, a good way to call it out because everybody was like looked at me and uh, you're yeah, everyone was like, who the hell is that guy throwing a phone at Katie? <laughs> <laughs> she no. handled it great. She's, she's quick on her feet. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, stellar show. Uh, oh, thank uh, you. My butt off. Yeah, it was really fun. Our, our previous show before that um, time slot is like such a important part of it. And like, you know, our last show is Wednesday at 10 and it's harder to get folks out, especially because a lot of folks who are in like our community, like our many crossover communities, everyone has a show on Wednesday. So it's like hard for people to come. It's hard to be like late night, mid week. And so we just could really feel the difference of being at eight 30 on a Sunday. It was like night and day. So yeah, was really- it was a packed house. Oh, yeah. It was so cool. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, totally. Uh, which, which show number is this? Ooh. So we had a couple of one-offs. Our first show was in January and then we had like a show every other month. And now we're I think this is show number five and then next month will be show six. Wow. At UCB. Yeah. We obviously perform at different places, but it's been a wild ride and who knows our last, our last official show will be July and then we'll find out if we get an extension. So. Well, Hey, fingers crossed. Here's holding out to you. Cause it's a great show and 
uh, you know, uh, if anybody hasn't chat, had a chance to see it, you should definitely try to catch that last one in July. Yeah, please do. I think, yeah. Is I'll that going to be a Wednesday or a Sunday or a? So as of right now, it's going to be Sunday at 10. Um, it's the uh, second Sunday of the month. So. Okay, great. I'm like, originally the, our show was supposed to be at 10 and then a slot canceled. So we scooped up that 8.30. Um, but we'll see. I think when I was in my twenties, a 10 o'clock show would have been like cool and badass and like rock and roll. And now I'm in my thirties and I'm like tired. So I know, I think back, uh, I don't know what I was doing in my twenties. You remember when like UCB would have like 11 and midnight shows? Yes. Or like not so shabby. It's like, I'm like, oh yeah, like let's uh, easy peasy stay up for it. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to do a two minute character bit come through 1130 on a Friday. Why yeah. not? Why not? Now I'm like, I'll tell you why not, because I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've come to like value sleep so much now that I'm like, oh, I don't care if uh, 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 you're giving away free money. I got to go to sleep. Can't yeah. buy me rest. Well, I'm pretty sure I have a little bit of a cold because on Friday night, um, my other improv team, STEM Kids, um, went to the OC Improv Fest. And we can get into more of that later if you want. But we stayed up until 4 a.m. on Friday. And I'm like, still three days later, I'm like, obviously like sick. I'm still tired. Like, so it just doesn't, I can't bounce back like I used to. We can get into it now unless you, okay, unless cool. there was a reason you want to get into it later. Oh, no, I just want to, um, I don't want to throw off structure too much. But yeah, it oh, was no. um, fucking fun. We had a great time. Uh, Orange County, my old stomping grounds. Yeah. Are you from Santa Ana? I'm from Santa Ana. The Frida, I was telling Sean uh, mm -hmm. on your team as well. Uh, the Frida, I used to go there all the time because they play a lot of like indie films or like art house films. So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Little film nerd. I was there like almost every week just watching movies. It's cool that now they're a venue for uh, other art projects like, like improv. Yeah. It's a great space and it has like a, such a good energy and the folks running the festival were really nice. Um, we were only able to go down for like the Friday time slot just because of like work and other commitments. But um, it was, we had no idea what we were like walking into. We didn't know what to anticipate. And like the crowd was, I wouldn't say that the theater was full. It's a big movie. Like, it's a movie theater. It's a huge movie theater. Yeah, it's huge. But it was like perfectly spread out. There was at least like 60 people, I would say at 1130 on a Friday. So felt really like we were surprised. We're like, there might be like 12 people. So that was like a nice surprise. And, um, it felt like we had a, we are so accustomed to performing at the clubhouse Fridays, like with people we know who like, even when we're not doing good improv, will laugh at us. Cause they're our friends or like, they're like, Oh, like, it's so funny when Sean, like, like yells at everyone. Everyone loves when Sean Q yells at people. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily land for strangers, but it felt really good for all of us. We all had a great set and like people who we don't know were liking us, which is like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like we're doing it guys. Uh, you mentioned that you were up till four. What does it do in Santa Ana or in Orange County until 4 a.m.? So our show, by the time we left our set, it was around one. And then we went back to the Airbnb and we were all so jazzed. Because oh, our, that's right. You all got an Airbnb. Yeah, we all got an Airbnb. And we were all so jazzed that we were funny that we like wound up staying up, like talking. And there was a fire pit and stuff. And we played some board games and it was all very PG, but not, it felt like a high school sleepover where it's like, we're going to stay up. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, uh, just writing out those improv highs, huh? Yeah, it's so sad, but so true. They're they're real. 
anything else happened while you were there? Did y'all eat any uh, like good food or anything? So we went to a, a handful of us got there earlier and we went to this like food hall called Rodeo Street Market. Oh, I'm sorry, say it again. Rodeo 39. Oh, that's in Huntington Beach, right? Uh, or like Garden Grove, Huntington Garden Beach. Garden Grove. Yeah, it's in Garden Grove. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so unfamiliar with the OC. So I'm like, oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> and like, I know like the TV show in like Laguna Beach, which is like, but I'm, I've lived in LA long enough to like embrace Orange County. So, um, but yeah, it was really cool. So we got a bunch of different food. We got, we all shared like a scorpion bowl drink, um, which was very romantic and <laughs> <laughs> always fun to go on a date with your improv team. Um, and then we like, yeah, it was fun because we sampled a bunch of different foods and, um, Sean Smith, who's on glass clown with you, um, is a, f- such a foodie. And so we kind of were like, you can like, you tell us what you think. And so he did a little pre-research we got these like chicken sandwiches that were like Hawaiian. So they were like chicken and then they had like a macaroni salad on them. They were really good. Um, I don't know, like. Uh, maybe it's because Orange County has more real estate or sport, but like food halls are such a big thing. I remember like growing up, uh, uh, they wouldn't have any. And then like once I had college, it was like a new one would open up in different pockets yeah. of town, which Thank is why you were like, oh, we ate a food hall. I started like throwing out a couple yeah. of things. Rodeo 39 is a, a new one. It's on um, uh, Beach Boulevard, but I don't know why that's not like a bigger thing in L.A. Totally. Cause it could be like, it, they're all, they're like little, they're smaller, like grand central markets, but I like grand central market, but like, I also have anxiety. So sometimes it's just like too much. Um, but like, I'm from the East coast and I can't think we definitely have like in Boston, there's a place called Faneuil hall. Um, but they're not like commonplace like they are here. Um, yeah. I wish every neighborhood in LA would have one. They should have one in Glendale. They should have one in Burbank, one in NoHo, one in Hollywood. Yeah, should we franchise rodeo? Oh my gosh! <laughs> should we get into the real estate business? Yeah, turn this off. <laughs> get me I'm out. Stop the recording. So yeah. we this idea. Retitle like new title of episode. Yeah, yeah. How to how to make your first million. yeah franchise? Yeah, make your first million. <laughs> it starts me. off as an improv podcast, but really quickly they start getting into these really great ideas. Step one: quit improv. It's like okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh so sad but true um anything else going on uh, recently you seen any good movies or do anything fun um what ha- so i have had been in the last like couple months a lot of friends i know and family members are getting married that's right you've been a so, buttload of wedding i been like to like so uh like it was just my sister's bachelorette which was we had the best time we were in new york um and like we did this, it was a couple days and it was both her, she's marrying this, um, her fiance is from Ireland. So his side of the family came in too, and we all met in New York city. And so there were some like more like gendered heteronormative events. And then a lot of events that were together. Um, and it was very fun. We got like my cousins and I got like wasted on a lobster cruise on the Hudson river. <laughs> um, and so it's just been like a lot of like pre-wedding stuff you're from massachusetts right i am yeah martha not martha's vineyard so super close cape cod so cape the cod. cape and islands that i'm not from the cape part um are you have you been back recently you're gonna go back for any of these weddings yeah so um i try to go back like once a season um even if it's just for like a long weekend um because i'm super close with my family and they're all 
on the East Coast. Um, and I love Cape Cod. Um, I am going back. I was just back really briefly. So the Cape isn't too far from New York City. So if I go to New York or like uh, the tri-state area, my mom gets upset if I don't try to come home. <laughs> Sure, yeah. <laughs> so um I will I, I spent like three days on the Cape, had two lobster rolls, and then um oh. yeah. <laughs> so I was just there for um a couple days and then I'm gonna go back um end of August, beginning of September for like about a week. You think uh when you were last there, was it nice or is it kind of still pretty gray, pretty overcast? So it was or smoggy oh, or whatever it is. Yeah, it gets like it's kind of like how it was, it's been here for the last month, which is like just gray and gloomy. But when I was there, it was really nice. So coming back from the East coast where it was like sunny and 75 back to LA where it was like 60 and like cloudy, I'm like, it needs to switch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, typically the weather, it's a big reason why I don't think I'll ever move back like on a permanent basis is like, I need the sunshine. Um, so um, consistently. <laughs> It can handle like a, a month, but yeah, and I think it, it also uh, uh, it suits your personality. You're always so warm and bubbly and and sunny. That's uh, so sweet because I'm wildly depressed. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're definitely putting on this mask. <laughs> no, I'm definitely like very happy. I, of course, we all have our own struggles, and um, you know, I'm in therapy and on antidepressants and stuff. But I I try to. I think. A lot of people were like, you're from Massachusetts. When I first moved to LA, they're like, you talk like a Valley girl. I'm like, wait, what? You do talk like a Valley. <laughs> and has, is that new or were you always, did the always. people Massachusetts always. are like, are you from California? Yeah, kind of. Um, except for when I talk, like when I get aggressive, people are like, oh, there's Massachusetts. <laughs> oh, let, <laughs> like me, get, let like, me get some of that mass hole. Like when I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, okay. or when I'm like, figure your shit out. Because I feel like, um, my coworkers are always like, you're so direct. And I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, and they're like, we're, we were raised in like a lot of my people I work with are from the Bay area. And they're like, we don't talk like that. They're like, you're polite, but like, you're just very direct. And I was like, you gotta oh, give us that compliment sandwich. Yeah. Which like I am working on. <laughs> no worries. I, I, well, at least in the realm of improv, don't get any of that. You're definitely very warm and sunny. Uh, and we'll get into applying that to outside stuff uh, later on. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into our first segment now, which is going to be our Improvster Syndrome, which is a chance for you to talk about your uh, uh, improv journey to where you are now, which I'm really curious about because um, uh, uh, coming up, I've always, I remember seeing you, I think you used to do work study, right? Or used to. Yeah, I did do work study. So like I've seen you around, I just never like, formally, oh, a like, fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big fan of you scanning tickets and, and that you know, was really good. Wait. <laughs> now, wait. I'm like turn your brightness up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, but let's go ahead and start at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I um I it took me a minute to get into like improv and sketch stuff. Um, I my background is predominantly in like theater and musical theater. So you know, like we're on a musical improv team together. So that's like, shouldn't be so surprising that I'm like a theater girly. <laughs> um, but that is like, so my, um, like my first love, I like 
grew up and I was like, I want to be on Broadway. I did like all my school musicals. I like competitively danced growing up. Um, and I was pretty like single-minded and focused on that. And then I had friends as we got into college um, who started like doing comedy. And I always was like, I was obsessed with SNL growing up. Um, I loved like comedy. Like I remember Napoleon Dynamite came out when I was in high school and I just thought it was like such a, like the funniest thing in the world. And um, I had tons of inside jokes with friends. And I remember my junior year of high school, someone called me out because we had an inside joke. And then I was talking about another inside joke with someone else. And he was like, you have inside jokes with everybody. And I, was <laughs> like, oh. I was like, oh no, like, I was like, is that a bad thing? Um, so anyway, I did theater. Um, and then I wound up transferring colleges. Um, and the head of the theater department was someone who like later became my mentor. And um, he had studied and gone through the whole Second City Conservatory program. And so he- uh, Where offered, was this college? And what was, the, was it a theater um, school? In South Florida. Um, it was, I was a theater major. Um, and um, his name was Mark Duncan. And he like, he was a theater guy, but he went through all of Second City Conservatory. I think he did some stuff on like the, um, I'm not super familiar with Second City, but like the ETC stage. And like, he never was main company because he wound up, just pursuing being a professor and like making money <laughs> um but um he was really passionate about comedy and so um he taught a bunch of different classes and the first class was that I took from him was at like improv and comedy um in theater and that was like such a game changer so I was like oh like I am good at this and I remember him saying like oh like improv is just like and I, I've heard it repeated over the years too improv is just like making inside jokes with the audience and like the people who are on your teams and then like and then repeating them and I'm like oh I'm good at inside jokes <laughs> so um that just sort of like planted the seed and I still was very much like uh eye on the prize I wanted to move to New York City and be on Broadway but I found this new thing that I was like, oh, it can be in support of that. And it taught me a lot. And it definitely helped me in like musical comedy roles. And then my senior year of college, I got cast in this show called The Complete History of America Abridged. There's like a Shakespeare version of it too. And it was three of us. And it was predominantly sketches, but there was tons of room for like play and improv. And I got to sing in it too. And I was like, whoa, like if I could do this, like where it's like, a loose structure, but then also kind of improv and joking and getting to sing. I'm like, then like, this is what, this would be like amazing. Yeah. Um, well, your so, um, the improv program through your college. Uh, so it was taught by a second city person. Uh -huh. Was he doing long form, short form? Do you remember what it, it kind so of looked like? We started with short form um, and it was a lot of like game based um, stuff, which we had like an improv jam and it was very much like, oh God, I, don't, I like, I don't remember, it's been so long there's like a game where someone has to like go outside of the audience and then the audience, like you come back in and everyone knows the suggestions. It's all kinds yeah, of guessing game, like yeah. that. Yeah. Guessing games and also cheesy in retrospect, but I think it was a good like intro. Um, and then like later on, we started doing more long form stuff. Um, definitely there was talk about a Herald, but I think we all like talked about it in reference to like 
this is like what we're working towards. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was more like montage based stuff, but it was never structured as a Herald. And did Uh, y'all perform for just like the other um, acting or uh, uh, theater students or was there actually performances for like audiences of students? So people could like the greater community could come, but we were never like, I know there are some colleges that have like amazing improv teams that travel and stuff. We were not there. I think like ultimately that was his goal, but we were kind of like the guinea pigs for that. Um, And also like, I think a lot of us were using it in service to our greater acting ambitions rather than like that being the, the focus. Um, And so I graduated college and I went to New York city and like within, I moved to New York in, I think, July and in August I was in like my first UCB 101 class um and I very much was like I'm doing this so I can like get commercial work and like be good and like at my auditions because it'll be helpful for my auditions and then I was like oh my god I'm obsessed with this and this is like all I want to (laughs) do um what was that first class like so I took um a 101 um it was in a like it was intense it was it was in like 2013. Um, and it was, um, every Saturday it was back to back. So it was only for one month. So all eight of our classes were in one month. So it was Saturday morning. So we would have our first session, we would have a lunch break, and then we would come back for our second class. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was like, two a days. yeah, two days. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you think football's hard? I mean, <laughs> two heralds. Yeah, two heralds as a 101 student. Um, and Laura Gray was my teacher and she's wonderful. Um, they were, she was just, she's like, she moved to New York from Chicago. So she had done, like, I understood like her teaching technique a lot because she had um, a lot of the same vocabulary that I had like learned in college. Um, and then- my 201 teacher, I took just like a regular 201, which was like grueling. I wanted to be an intensive, but like I had a job and couldn't like take two weeks off. Um, and that initially was taught by Morgan Grace something, but she ultimately had to leave. And Anthony Atamanik um, wound up teaching our last four classes. And he's obviously like, fa- like famous. Like he was and he was an incredible teacher. Um, and he was like, I just remember like he he's who I like learned game from. Yeah. So anyway, so I did that like within my first like six months of living in New York. I was going to shows all the time. My 101 class was pretty tight because we were doing two a days. <laughs> um, and then I booked a show, um, like a regional theater show and I left New York for a minute and then I wound up doing like some like more theater stuff and I wasn't in New York as consistently and I like wound up moving back to South Florida for a little bit to I worked for a theater company called Thinking Cap Theater Company and like my life took this other direction so I was like super I had like six months of super intense improv and then so my life like went theater (laughs) um and but really then, quick, this is interesting because yeah. I, I think you're maybe the first guest uh, who studied in New York. Second mm-hmm. of all, uh, no shade to the previous guest. I think you're the first guest that actually like had some success outside of improv. So this like this pause, you know, because I think most people mm-hmm. like once you start one on one, like I love this and then they power through. But 
you were like, I love this. Wait, I booked something. Let me stop. What was, what was this time? Like how big of a role did improv kind of like take or did it take a back burner once this happened? Yeah, it took a total back burner because I felt like if you want to do improv, there's like only a handful of cities that you can really do it. I think that's changed in the last decade, but like in South Florida, where I was working in that theater company, there wasn't really, there was opportunities to do like comedy. Um, and like, I definitely did comedic plays, but there was not a lot of opportunity to do like improv. Um, so, and I think because I had that mindset of like, okay, I am like, I'm a theater person. Like I spent my whole life focusing on doing theater. Like this is what I'm doing. It was very much like a improv was kind of like this like new fun thing I was doing but I'm like no that's not the goal that's not my goal <laughs> um and obviously that like has changed and we'll get to there <laughs> um but um I like I kind of needed to solidify like what I want and living in New York is really hard it's expensive it's like hard especially like if you have like any sort of mental health issues or like if you want to be an artist and like not have to like I lived in like a sixth floor walk up with like five boys. Like, I mean, it was, a, it was a fun time, but like, it was just not a sustainable um, situation. Um, and I love New York and I would move back there in a heartbeat if I had like $10 million. <laughs> um, and I have a lot of like friends and family there, but it just was not like it. I think I had built up the city so big in my brain that like, even though I loved improv, and I really wanted, like, I still love Broadway. Like, it just didn't, it wasn't, like, the space for me. Yeah, we're going to have to be, like, successful restaurateurs before we can go back to New York, huh? Yeah, I, like, yeah, I wouldn't, when Rodeo 39 franchises throughout L.A. County, like, you and I can move to New York City. Ooh, you finally oh, yeah. make it. <laughs> <laughs> we can finally make it. And if you can make it other place. places, you can finally make it here. Yeah, exactly. Um... No, I love New York and I would move back for a project or something in a heartbeat, but I think at 20, I'm in my thirties now. I think at 23, I just wasn't like, I was a little bit immature and like had more things to learn and like people to date and hearts to break <laughs> and like all of, all of those things that you're supposed to do in your twenties. Um, but you can't do in New York. Nobody's getting their heart broken in New York. No. <laughs> I don't think I, like I, that, uh, I think it's very commendable though. Like, I think we might be like the same age. Uh, after college, uh, uh, I could not, I, I, I had a similar experience actually. After college, I moved to LA. That was, I guess, my uh, New York. York. And I built it up and same thing. Like LA, it's so funny to say now because I live here, but like LA really chewed me up and spit me out. I just didn't have like the uh, like emotional uh, maturity to like, you know, be independent. So I can only imagine New York totally. being like 10 times worse. Yeah, but I think like, so after college, I had a bunch of friends who moved out, he, like Eli Gonzalez being like among one of them, like friends who I went to college with, who like all, then went on to like move here. And like, I think, and then another chunk of us moved to New York. And I'm like, if I had moved to LA first, it would have chewed me up and spit me out too. I think it just like, that's where I was at in my life. And that happened to be the city that it happened Wait, rewind. Um, you mentioned uh, our guest from episode six, Eli Gonzalez. Yeah. And I forgot about bad. this. You went to college with him. Really briefly. So before I transferred schools. This um, was uh, the, the first 
the first, the first school. Yeah. So I went to college in Oklahoma. Um, and actually another improviser, Michael Roselle also went to that school as Shut well. the front door. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's going to look to the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Right Oklahoma City University. Yeah. Um, go stars. That's our mascot. Um, I'm not an Oklahoma girl. That is, I will tell you that. Um, but I love them. And it's really weird. Just a like small segue. Um, uh, when I moved to LA, I was sublet. I originally was subletting from someone who um, I knew through like theater stuff. And um, Eli wound and my like dear friend Brooke, our mutual friend, wound up being my next door neighbors when I first moved to LA, which is like so bizarre. <laughs> um, Wait, not and, intentional, accidental. Not and accidentally. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was like very like. So I wound up like moving in with them like not too long after. Um, and they were like just two doors down. So I was like kind of kismet. Um, and Eli was much further along in the improv process than I was. So it was always nice to have a good friend who was kind of like, oh, you got to take 301 with like, not this person, like try Julie Brister or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he, he had a lot of good like inside info, but yeah. Uh, so you were doing um, uh, stuff uh, uh, in uh, uh, South Florida and Massachusetts for a while. Was there any improv happening uh, in this time in between? No, but I was doing a lot of writing. So I started doing like sketch writing. The theater company that I was working at started doing these like shorts. And so I started directing short plays. And like this theater company was amazing. Like I I love them. I got to do so much. I like got to act. I got to write. I got to produce. I got to like house manage, stage manage. Like I learned so much. So like I like I am so grateful for like that, like essentially education. Cause I feel like I put on a one person show a couple years ago and like, I knew how to do everything for it. Cause like I had l- like learned those skills. So like they weren't, they don't directly translate to like co- my comedy right now per se, but definitely like the skill set was, is like awesome to have. Oh, it definitely applies. I, yeah. I remember, yeah, you had that one person show and it's like, mm-hmm. I don't like, no offense to improvisers. I don't know any other improvisers <laughs> that has like all those skills it was like write produce and all the little things that you had to pick up along the way and I mean I bet also just in the meantime you were getting to be on stage getting to like you know yeah read audience so I think it all cumulatively adds up totally and then I said fuck all this I want to go do improv <laughs> <laughs> um no I kind of was like what do I really want to do like and I'm like I really want to pursue comedy and I remember my mentor Mark from college um who like I worked with at this theater company um, because I went to college in South Florida and we like stayed connected over the years. He was like, if you want to do comedy, you got to go to LA. Um, so I always had that like little thing in the back of my mind. And um, so I had like six months to kind of like game plan during that time. The other thing I did, and like, this is not cringy, but I think relatable in an embarrassing way is I listened to like every fucking improv podcast that there ever was so I listened yeah I listened to like I listened to like all of improv for humans I listened to this podcast called improv nerds um which is like from a guy based out of Chicago I listened to all of Pete Holmes you made it weird I listened to Doughboys I listened to like anything that someone who was like tangentially like involved in UCB I was like listening to um wow so even even before you because you took that one on, dude, they really planted the seeds. They fucking did. They got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so 
and also like I just think like the earwolf stuff especially like was culturally everywhere like even my friends in South Florida like they it's all our sensibility so um they were all listening to that stuff too um so anyway I moved to LA and Eli was my neighbor so fun and then I literally I think I moved here June 27th and June 29th was my they let me just start with 201 even though it had been a long time but they were like they let me start with 201 so I did 201 with Tony Charlene like several days after moving to LA and then I like went through um the rest of the curriculum like pretty quickly um awesome um yeah uh, uh hit the ground running that's so nice of them to give you the exception to isn't that sweet <laughs> skip 101 again <laughs> um so uh uh uh, uh anything anything noteworthy about that time when you first started off in LA did you uh, have any classmates uh, that stuck around or just any any feelings or was it just all like that fun fresh yay this is fun vibes so I will say this I was thinking about this before we like um when you asked me to do the podcast and I think like I, Paul Welsh was my 301 teacher and he was like really instrumental in like me like keeping the momentum that I had. Cause I think like, it's really easy to burn out. And I've definitely had over the last like six years, a lot of moments of burnout from improv. Um, but he is a like really kind person. And he um, sent me an email after our class. And he, I think sends most people emails and was like, like stick with this. Like you've got this, like, just like really encouraging and like really like tender and like a very, like in a very like fourth grade teacher way. Um, and it was really helpful because I would like reach out to him about stuff being like, should I like, is it too soon for like me and my friend to start a practice group? Like, is it too soon for this? I was, I like auditioned for mod and I was like, should I do this? And he was so generous with his time where he really didn't have to be in retrospect, but I'm like, well, he emailed me. I'm like, Katie, he emails everybody. um but I just think like that really stuck with me that like the the encouragement like I think we all come to comedy because we all know that we're funny like we wouldn't do it if we weren't but like I think that sometimes I have a hard time gauging like okay like am I like funny like good enough to like should I keep doing this funny or like it's like oh you're really funny like at your office and that is like the that's the like struggle that I have and I think just like getting encouragement like that has been like really instrumental to like just like keep the like you know on like a roller coaster that like those momentum things like just was helpful and so I think that's like the biggest thing of note and then also um from my 301 class we did start a practice group um we lasted for maybe like four or five months but it was like I very much knew like, okay, I want to like be in practice groups. I want to be like doing this. So what did your, well, first of all, let me just comment. Um, yeah. Yeah. You are funny, not in an office. I've never been in an office with you, so I have no clue, but uh, I think I'm way thing- funnier. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, whatever office you work in. Uh, but uh, uh, you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about uh, being in high school. I think the type of funny that is the most successful and the stuff that people gravitate towards you're funny in a way where people who just literally met you or just saw you for a split second feel like they're in on the inside joke. Thank you. To be able to like have this inside joke with someone or in your case to have inside joke with 
a room full of people like instantly is like what is so like noteworthy you know it's probably what paul welsh saw it's probably why he sent you that email oh thanks david that's really sweet to hear i think like you touched on like i think making the joke accessible feels like important to me and like making it be like we're all in on this that's why my favorite thing to do is group games i'm like we're all playing this we're all doing it um i'm like be my friend yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's also that's that crippling loneliness and that desperation please be our friends yeah, laugh. laugh at me <laughs> uh so what was your uh post 401 post uh uh like i guess we could say like core curriculum yeah like? sure so um, I auditioned for Academy like as soon as I could. And I was fortunate to get in. My 401 teacher was Jess Eason, who's so fucking badass. I love Jess Eason. Um, and um, like another person who's been so encouraging and sweet. But um, after 401, I started doing um, boot camp, evening boot camp with Joel Spence and a bunch of other people. But that is where I feel like when they say it's like separates the boys from the men, that's where I feel like I became like a really, like when I was like, oh, like I knew what I was doing and I knew it was funny, but then I feel like I became good at improv. Cause when you're doing it like three nights a week, every week forever, like you just get good at it. Um, it's just, it's the, the 10,000 hours thing. Um, and so I was like, I, there were a couple months where I was able to do daytime boot, improv boot camp, but mostly because of like I, pre-pandemic, I mostly worked as a paralegal um, as my day job. Okay. I'm like, I'm like expensive. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm accustomed to a certain lifestyle that I need. I have a lot of bills. Um, but I, um, I very much like a, I'm so grateful to Joel and like all the folks who taught those evening boot camps because like it it was that was like such my community for at least uh, well over a year so that was like pretty awesome and then I started doing I took a couple different academy classes uh like like a Will Hines I did a musical some like musical improv with Tara um and I did work study I got work study I think thank you Paul Welsh um I got work study right after 301 so I was able to use those for like sketch classes and like the academy classes I took. Um, and then I did, um, and I still occasionally do, but um, James Mastriani, um, like with his drop-ins. Um, but I feel like you can't do those until you have some time under your belt. Because <laughs> um, he knows, he's like the real deal. Not that he's not great with beginners, but like mm -hmm. he expect like you need to be, you need to have a deep understanding of improv so he can like help you get to the next level. Um, and then at some point I got asked to join this team called Art School Models, which like, um, and we started like, it was my first indie team um, and who was around? So like tons of people are like, I'm still friends with a lot of them, but not everyone does improv anymore. But Josh Rothenberg is still around. I don't know if you know Josh, who's on myself for a bit. Um, and then we disbanded and I got asked to join a team called Baranoia. Um, and we had a weekly or a monthly show or actually it was bi-weekly um, at this place called Copper Still. Um, and James Mastriani was our coach. So that was like kind of what I was doing for improv stuff. 
And then the pandemic happened and I feel like coming back, I started doing, that's when I started doing Wii stuff. Um, and I had taken a writing class with Jake. So, and I knew a ton of people who did Wii. Um, and it was like a, it felt like a good place to start. But then even getting back into like Wii improv, I feel like it took me six months to get back to where I was before the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, something that as you were kind of listing a lot of these different places, like the workshop with Joe Spence, we uh, uh-huh. mastered on these workshops. Uh, just for anybody who was like listening, if there's any young Katie's out there listening yeah. to every piece of improv podcast out there, it's really important to note that like these little like sub communities or subcultures, they do kind of spring up uh, all the time. Some of the places that you mentioned are not here anymore. Some places right. that we talked about are like brand new. And by the time you listen to this episode, May, may, they may not be here anymore, but it is important right. to have that like older first person or that like, you know, a, gen- a generation above you ask around like, cause I, this stuff is important. Everything that Katie's mentioning is important, but you won't be able to find them until the other, yeah, you have to ask, you have to keep your ear to the ground. And also the other thing is, and like, this is going to be one of my unintentional benefits, but like you make the more times you like run into people and see people, then you like have friends. Like, you know, you and I didn't become friends the first moment we met, but like after consistently seeing each other stuff and like doing random mashups or doing like different shows, like we, you get to know people. And now if it was, if someone, like, if you hit me up and we're like, Hey, do you want to do jump in the show with me? I would feel so comfortable doing that. Whereas like, because we're buddies, but like, if it's like this random person asking, it would still make me feel nervous to do improv with a stranger. And so like it, I mean, like people talk about this in showbiz all the time, but it's like, everyone wants to hire their friends. It's like, everyone wants to like put up their friends' teams. They're going to ask, we're all socially awkward. It's like so much easier for me to ask you like, Hey, can glass clown do this show? than like to reach out to some person I don't know and be like, hey, excuse me, you don't know me, but can you guys do our show? And like, of course that happens, but it just, it's so much um, easier. And also like, I think I'm in the last like two years, I've prioritized like friendship and community first and like being on the cool team, like second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's so, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, don't come to improv to try to be cool it's not cool we're all like we're all very much nerds yeah and like the thing even the thing you say about like picking our teams that's not nepotism that's us literally afraid to put ourselves out yeah it's all it's a defense make it's so much easier just to be like hey stem kids you guys want to you know we have a spot we need someone for july that's so much easier than like to like um hey i think you guys are a cool team do you think you can ask your friends if they want to perform yeah, it's not nepotism, it's social anxiety. So like, I think, and, and of course, like, I don't want to discount that there are like, there are problematic things in like that methodology. And I think like, um, Wild, their indie nights, they do an incredible job of being like, what are teams that haven't like performed a bunch or like who want, who get this opportunity? And like, there's space for that too, in a huge way. But like, yeah, I think like when you have a show in 48 hours, like, it's easier to ask your friends than to reach out to other people. So just, and you can, everyone's willing to be your friend. So just show up. Yeah. Great great point. Great. (laughs) All right. Great. Anything else uh, you want to add about your improv journey? Yeah. I think like just to speak to where I'm at really now very quickly is like, 
I obviously have been like doing we for the last two years. That's been my main source of improv, but I have a bunch of other teams too that are kind of spin off like that are involved in we um as the world started reopening. But I think like um I feel like with as shitty as the pandemic was, I think for me, I needed that time and space away from improv because I was very much in the UCB system of like, how do I have the perfect Herald audition? How do I have the perfect mess hall audition? Why did they get a callback? Not me. I got a callback last year, but why didn't I get one this year? That like all of that. And I was so caught up in that system and it still comes up for me a little bit, but I think like prioritizing like being silly over form has just kind of been my like mo especially the last like year um and so just to like touch on like there's space for like being perfect at a herald but then there's also space to like just have fun yeah for sure and like uh uh, you're performing you're, you're producing and performing with like with stem kids and you're doing stuff with agenda so like you can totally you can you can have a show at ucb and like not be i mean i i think i'm okay at the herald it's not my favorite thing to do but like i still get to have a monthly show at ucb which is so cool so there's just space for other herald isn't the end all be all i guess yeah and it was for me for a long long time and that feels like something i should just mention on the improv podcast (laughs) yeah great great very very good to mention that as well uh, all right, great. Well, thanks for walking us through uh, your improvster. What am I saying? Your improv journey, and that was improvster syndrome. That was improvster syndrome. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're gonna go ahead and jump into our next uh, segment now, which is gonna be the topic of the week. Uh, uh, and we talked about this. I'm glad you chose this because I wanted to jump into it as well. But our topic of the week is gonna be the unintended benefits of doing improv. Okay. Where do we even start? Where do we start? I will say that I, you know, um, I didn't come into improv, like being like, I'm going to be funny. I'm going to be performing and doing shows, even though, uh, even though uh, you are funny and you are performing shows. Hey, that, that's the unintended benefit. No, that's no. the benefit, baby. <laughs> that I, we get I more actually... David Long in our life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I originally signed up for improv because I had a job where I was on the phone talking to clients and I would just freeze up and like, no joke. I used to have a script. I used to read the script because, and it wasn't like they gave us the script. It was just me not being confident or not knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ask them this, ask them how their day was. If they say it's a nice day, this is like the, the comeback. If they have a yeah. bad day, this is how you pivot. Follow back the tree. Into, yeah. Like a little tree. Uh, uh, so I was like par- paralyzed just with the concept of like, making small talk with clients and, and if they had asked tough questions, which is why I started taking improv. And I, you know, I always say that's a great unintended benefit, like being just more easygoing and natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and now like, I don't, are you kidding me? I'll call the CEO of whoever I don't care anymore. Right. Right. But I you will also say feet. it was, that's a, that's maybe a tough, <laughs> a tough way to go about it, to go from, I'm afraid of what to say to like say, okay, let's push you into the deep end. Now you, don't have any script. You don't have a character. You really have to listen. You have to focus on what you're doing. So even though there's unintended benefit, just being more comfortable talking and communicating, it's a hard, it was a hard way up. Yeah. I mean, that makes so much sense. How old were you when you started doing improv? Uh, 25, 2015. And where was your first improv class up here or in the OC? 
this was in Orange County. This was at a place called uh, South Coast Repertory. And it was... Uh, um, they're a theater theater. I know South Coast Rep. Yeah, they're a theater theater, which yeah. means that they, are, they weren't focused on comedy. They weren't focused on, you know, like gamer or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were focused on like, be in it, be committed, who, what, where, and why, and let's uh-huh. just conflict. Give me some conflicts. Give me a once, like all like the, the normal What are like, the stakes? Drama. Yeah, what are the stakes? All those terms. <laughs> And for me, I was like, what? I'm David. What do you mean who, what, where? <laughs> You're like, I'm David. I have a piece of paper that says, how was your day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but obviously, so like, I want to say like uh, uh, that first class, and I took a bunch of them. That mm-hmm. first class was so rough. I was knocked on my butt. And there's so many moments where I was like, like angry, not be- because I was so funny. I was like, I'm not funny right now. And it's not because... I couldn't be, it's because that's not what we, you know, improv is is so much just like, Hey, be present, be in the moment. Look at your scene partner. Your scene partner's sad. So why are you being funny? Look at their sadness and like, feel it. Totally. And also like when you are first learning the basics of any kind of improv, like you can't be funny at first. And that is really uncomfortable for people who are inherently funny. It's like, you have to let that go. And I think like, I think everyone that I know that is an improviser is like funny and con- like conversation. Um, some of us lean on it more than others as a crutch, as a social crutch. Um, but I think that it's like, that is really difficult to be like, okay, like my big social crutch I have, you're telling me to get rid of. So ultimately I can be very funny and very good at this. And so I think like that kind of like speaks to one of the unintended benefits that I was thinking of, which is just like it helps you be vulnerable really quickly and get comfortable with vulnerability um, because you cannot get good at improv without being bad first. And in order to be bad, you have to like put, you know, put yourself out there and be vulnerable and be willing to like not be funny, to not be charming for people to be like, well, what the hell was that? Like for people to question you. Um, and I think like, so much now I'm like here's my like woo woo I cry at movies like (laughs) pitch but like we have a hard time uh, especially in like western culture with like being vulnerable and being open and I think like when we're all addicted to our phones mine's like right here like we have like all of these walls and all of these barriers and all of like these like bricks that we put in front of it like in between us and an improv you can't do that if you want to have a successful scene you have to be connected to the person you have to be like you have to establish a world together um I don't know if you've played with people where you can tell that they're like they've come in with such preconceived notions and you're like no look at me like we have to do this together and they're like no and it's just like oh like it's a like lack of vulnerability and I can tell like if I've had a hard day or if I'm like in a like it's an, I've never do great improv after I've been like crying or like, it, you know, some p- comedians are like, I had a really shitty day and then I put it on the stage. I'm like, no, like I, I like can't do that because um, like you have to be vulnerable in order for this to work. So yeah. I think, I think kind of um, improv and unintended benefit is just like softening us a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say thank you for never having a bad day and bringing it on stage it shows that you I mean, care sure about your I teammates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could be, yeah, yeah. But anyways, it shows that you care about your, your teammates. You care about the audience. Like you don't want to like 
take it out on us, you know? Right. Um, speaking of being vulnerable, yeah, just to, to bring in some of that, like that corporateness of it, like uh-huh. that is such an important lesson. So even if you don't think that you want to be funny and that you don't want to do comedy, it is still very important for you because I remember speaking of vulnerability, one of the things that I learned to do, you know, uh, and being like, like having preconceived notions, whenever you're talking to people, when you're having a meeting, you always want to say the right things. You always want to seem perfect. And I remember a very like big moment for me that really changed things was I was talking to this client and had all these questions and I was just not prepared. I was just still new and I wasn't like ready for anything. So then it was like, uh, I was, I used to be so afraid to say, I don't know. So somebody asked me a tough question. I didn't know the answer to, I would lie or I would stall or I would make up all these different excuses. But after a while I started to be like, I don't know. I don't know that. And I remember there was one particular meeting that they were just, this client like did not like me. They thought that like you stuck me with like the young kid doesn't know anything. So I said like, I don't know, three times in a row. And I just said to him like, hey, I, I don't want to waste your time. It seems like I'm not really prepared for this meeting. Can you do me a favor, send me an email. And I promise by, um, you know, tomorrow, 24 hours, I'll get you the answer to all these questions. And that guy's was like, great. Yeah. Okay. That's going to save me the rest of the hour. I'll go ahead and send it over to you. Thanks so much. So like, oh, that's amazing that moment of being vulnerable and being honest. Cause I think that that's what he was angry and upset about. Not the fact that I didn't know the answers, but the fact that I was covering like, having all these different defense mechanisms, having these walls up on these crutches. And, and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to, to like, this is not going to be productive. It's not going to get me anywhere. But by me just saying, Hey, I don't know. And I'm wasting your time and email me instead. He was like, great. Now we can get somewhere. We can move forward. Right. You can't move forward. Like on a lie like as like innocuous as it is I've been there and worked too it's just that that's like I think a thing of being young too is like being like not being afraid to not know because you're like I'm the young one here they they all think I don't know anything so I have to know everything and it's like oh like then you mature and you like learn that it's like oh if I just am honest that's probably better and not solution oriented that's the other thing that's that's the other and you're like you're not like I don't know bye <laughs> I mean like even speaking to just like interpersonal relationships like if you're working through a problem with someone you it can't get better unless you try unless you try and I think like that has been such a huge like unintended benefit that I've had from improv it's like just keep trying like you like I was not I've always been funny, but I was not good at improv when I started. Like now I think I'm good at improv and like I, it, and it took, how long have I lived in LA? It took like six years. <laughs> so like it, it, it just takes time and like, and you need to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Um, so you have a little poker reference, but Thanks, like, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also like, um uh like what you water grows so I think like just if if you love doing improv and if you love doing comedy like keep at it if you love a person and like you want to make things better like keep at it if you like want to learn a new skill set and like you want it to be part of your life like keep at it um and I think that's like a huge thing I've learned from improv it's just like yeah keep at it yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because something that a lot of people have mentioned in the past, a theme that's come up a lot in the past uh, mm-hmm. episodes have been like failing. Failing is really important. That's not just an improv thing. That's just like a life life thing. thing. You got to fail a lot. But 
what improv does and what's unique about improv more than anything else is that it gives you a safe space or a space activity, a safe, uh, a safe space and a safe activity to fail and fail and fail without consequences. Right. In a controlled environment, like the consequences are just like you, they're just like you, your own mental consequences. And then, um, to bring back what you're saying, the other half of failing, which, uh, 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 some people may have left out, but like, it's not just about failing. That's, that's definitely half of the equation. The other half is continuing to like persevere, to try up, to keep going totally. after all those failures. And I know outside of improv, I know that why that's tough. Like, yeah, you keep on applying for jobs and failure then, you know, there's stakes at that, you know, yeah, you there's like make- rent to pay. There's like children to feed. Like there's le- like, there's real things. Yeah. Uh, and then for improv, you know, other than maybe like paying for some classes or paying for some uh, workshops or whatever. There's really not that much at stake here. So you can get up. I remember <laughs> I used to do this a lot. Uh, uh, whenever there would be a, a, an exercise or a scene that just wasn't going my way, I would always like look at the teacher. Can we, wh- what's happening? Uh, 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 hey, are, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know that move. I don't know. I don't know where we are. Like, uh, 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 and that's fail. That, 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 that's, I, I think that's the only way you can fail in improv. You can do whatever. You won't really fail, but if you stop, you're when like, you bail, you bail. Yeah, you 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 pull out of it. Uh, I would consider that a failure. But like, uh, 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 that's fine because I was still learning and and it gave me a chance to like jump back in there, try it again, and eventually, <laughs> I don't. When was the last time you saw me go to the audience? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's start. Okay. Can we get a new word? <laughs> I will say this, Jake. Uh, t- uh, coaches STEM kids, and sometimes I'll look at Jake and be like, "These fuckers, am I right?" <laughs> <laughs> But that's after two years of being together and like on a friend basis. Yeah, (laughs) that's you. That's you learning the rule and then breaking the rule. Yes, exactly. You have to learn the rule to break it. Um, But yeah, another, um, just to touch on it really quickly, um, I listened to an art. Oh, two things. There's a quote by Samuel Beckett and I'm going to butcher it, but it's basically like, like fail, fail again, fail better. And it's like just about like failing upwards essentially it's like you're gonna keep failing but like just like try to fail a little bit better every time so like that I feel like just applies to like my entire creative process in general and probably my life if I like zoom way out um just fail just try to fail a little better well yeah and and again like you know bringing back to like uh, the improv of it all uh, you do have this great thing where you can and then this I don't recommend doing this but like if you had a, a, a initiation or whatever, an idea that didn't work, you can technically, no one's keeping tabs, keep that, rewrite it and then try it again. And you know, whatever the note is, they're like, Hey, Katie, that was a really good initiation, but like sell that you're angry, sell the anger. And then a month later, do that exact same initiation, do the exact same, but then this time add the anger. And then that's a, and then maybe whatever that's seen as a feeling you can technically uh, well, fail better. Right. I, so I love playing really big and I got used to get the note all the time. It was like, show your work. Like, and it's just really funny. This is like, (laughs) this is an emotional thing too, is that like, I've, uh, sometimes like, we'll just get like, when, especially when I was younger, it would be like, I'd go from zero to a hundred and it would be like, where did that come from? And in my improv, I was doing that too. And it was like, it's like, okay, it's really funny. Like, that you're like around here, like screaming, like holding a hairdryer, but like we, the audience has to catch up to you. So like show your work, like you have to like kind of forecast like what's happening. Cause if you just like start out at a hundred, the audience has to like catch up to where you're at. Mm-hmm. 
And if they have to catch up, then they're not having a good time. So I was like, ah, that makes sense in life too. Like, yeah, makes you a better communicator. Makes yeah. you more uh, uh, empathetic. You have a higher like EQ to be like, what do people get? What do they not get? And let me fill in the blanks. Yeah, I think it's the one thing when I was thinking about unintended benefits, it's like one of the one um area like practices that like you can build your eq and like i can't think of many other like activities that you can just do that like helps you with emotional intelligence because it's not like you can like take out an emotional intelligence workbook like you have to in in order to learn emotional intelligence and like get better at it you need to be interacting with people and like when you're interacting with people eight people all the time on stage like what better what better way to like learn how to read the room or like learn how to pick up on people's like subtle cues and um, like different forecasting and stuff. So um, I think, I don't know, can you think of another like way aside from like us duh, being in like group therapy where you can like build emotional intelligence? Uh, you know, it's so funny. I remember uh, around the same time I was uh, starting up classes at UCB, uh, the place I was working at, all the managers got like from their boss, like uh, uh, from the bosses or I don't know. Anyways, management all got these EQ books. It was like that emotional intelligence book. Uh-huh. You've seen it. We have to read and take a test or whatever. And I remember like uh, I was talking to my boss. Um, he got promoted the same time I got hired. So we were pretty close because we were like uh, uh, kind of like in new. it together. Yeah, in it together. I, I was the, the first person he had to train everything. So we were pretty close. So I was like, oh, I was in his office one day. What's that book? You know, and it's like, oh yeah, this is great. The teaching is about like, okay, so it's like intelligence, but for emotions. It's like instead of IQ, it's EQ. And I was like, interesting. And I read it and I was just skimming through and I was like, wait a second. Like, this is all stuff that, and I, I remember like, I, not to say I just learned it, but like, I've been really sharpening these skills uh-huh. by doing improv. Cause like you mentioned, when you're on stage, you have to listen. You can't be in your own world. Cause if you do, you're just gonna, you know, uh, 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 like spiral into your own little uh, hole there. But if right. you look at your scene partner, you can see when they're confident, when they're nervous, when they want something to work, they communicate so much. So there's so many like nonverbal cues that non-verbal. you're picking up on. And like when you're on the back line and you can see two people and they're like, you can read their body language that they're like, oh, like they are asking for, they're asking for support, but like, physically or like uh, vibe wise and like those are things that like are not like always the easiest thing to even like though I feel like I have like pretty high emotional intelligence it's also like trusting that because I like for so long like I think I did a disservice to a lot of my teammates by like not doing support moves because I was like I don't want to go out there and like I don't want to steamroll and it's like no like they like, and then we would like dissect it. And they're like, no, I needed something. Like, I wish that someone would have come out. And so it's like, oh, like by me holding back, like, I'm like, not, I'm not like, of course, like we all have moments that like, where it's like, oh, shouldn't have done that. Like I did that for me, not for them, but like, um, but like helping people on stage is like never going to be unappreciated. I've never been mad at a walk-on when I've been like trying to solidify the game. The amount of times people will come on, like a Sean Smith will come on and like pop a label on. And I'm like, thank you, God. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think, um, yeah. Emotional intelligence. Um, thank you. Improv. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, as a straight guy, thank you. Really needed it. <laughs> uh, 
one last uh, benefit that I had that I was thinking about is I kind of mentioned this earlier. You do kind of get fearless because you've seen the worst version of like a lot of combinations of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they always say like public speaking is the number one fear for, for human beings, you know, human beings. So like when you get on stage and you have nothing or all you do is get a word and then you have to build off of that. All of a sudden you've been through the worst case scenarios. Cause I think we've also all been there where like you started seeing you have nothing and you stand there for a long time. So you get to sit in that for, you, you get to like, see like, this is the worst case scenario of like, people are looking at me. I have to say something. I have to be funny and I have nothing. And after you realize like, that's what that feels like. All of a sudden, if you're giving a presentation at work and you have even like an outline or like three words, like, wow, three words, that's three times as much as I get on every time I get on improv. At least I'm going to do an organic scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I definitely like relate to the fearlessness. Like I don't feel uh, like really afraid to like have conversations with people anymore because you're right. It's like, yeah, this is three times the amount. And no one also like doing premise improv. It's like, no one's going to be mad if it's like, hey that was a weird initiation based off of that premise in real life like it's like you get something that was um, really wordy you yeah, explained everything really wor- yeah <laughs> but like I think um there's also another thing when it's like you're playing with people from all different backgrounds and all different like uh like races genders like sexualities like gender identities like just like from all over the world like we're playing with people some people who have like corporate jobs some people who are artists some people who just do this for fun some people who are like famous like it's just you you're all on the same playing field and it like really helps like emphasize all of our humanities and like I think like there is like um there's something to playing especially like people of like different ages like I feel like for so long I was like I'm the baby and now I'm like the one of like I'm old (laughs) and it's like playing with people who are like 24 it's like just like different it feels cool to like get a different like point of view and and to learn how to communicate with people who are not like you know uh millennials from New England who love musical theater it's like that's not most people who I'm playing with and so I think like that's also an, an unintended benefit too when and it helps you be fearless when you're like yeah I know lots of different kinds of people and like I and the one thing that we all share is that we're funny <laughs> so um what's you know funny <laughs> sorry really quick out of the, all this talk about unintended benefits not one of us has said it makes you funnier <laughs> no isn't funny I, isn't that funny isn't that hilarious um well, I think one of the unintended benefits, um, just to pivot slightly if we can, um, is that I listened to a um, This American Life episode about, um, uh, I think the topic was delights and things that are delightful. And there is a poet, Ross Gay, who like, instead of doing a like gratitude list um, every night, like he would do a list of like things that delighted him. And as they were going through this, all of these segments, I'm like, improv is like delightful. Like the whole intention is to like laugh and to be silly and to like make each other laugh and make the audience laugh. And like the way that we make an audience laugh, like I've never been watching an improv show where I'm like, oh my God, they fucking hate each other, but this is hilarious. Usually I'm like, oh, like they don't like each other. And so I think there's just something that's been like, there is a like, when you take away the pressures of like 
making Harold night or did my show get asked like team get asked to do this or like does this person like me like all of those like bureaucratic like things if you just strip that away if you can not always possible but like at the end of the day like what we get to do is really delightful and like I think it makes us happier (laughs) like I think like we get to laugh all the time like no you're absolutely right cool like laughs per capita, like improvisers are like probably like the richest in the world. I didn't even think about that, but I'm glad that's such a nice, like, like good way to end it. But just like, yeah, like here's a good perspective. Like this thing that you're working at, maybe you're doing well, maybe you're not, no matter what the case is though, you are laughing and having so much more joy and delight than like most people in the world. How lucky are we to be able to just giggle for two hours straight and call that practice? And we're so lucky. And I get like, I feel like, especially with like, of course I like love STEM kids and I love my teams, but it's like, I also have like, do like I do like identity improv too. So it's like the agenda is my queer team. And we all get to like a laugh about things that like, were maybe not necessarily like, like maybe they were like traumas for some of us, or like I'm on Craig Jenny with, um, two, uh, with Kara and Arisha, um, and, like we're all fat women and it's like not super easy to be a fat woman in like America. And like, we get to like laugh and be like kind of joyful about it. And like, what a cool thing we get to do. Like what a, like we get to laugh and it doesn't always have to be like, we get to laugh about our trauma. Sometimes we just get to laugh because like somebody like made a fart joke. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like said, like what a cool thing we get to do. And like, I think part of my like, process and journey is just like trying to remember that like at the end of the day like we're here to like laugh and to make each other laugh and and I laugh at more I laugh at more of my failures than I do of my successes so right back at you I'm laughing at your failures more than your success yeah every time that you tank I'm like "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) like, "Ah." (laughs) with that one (laughs) yeah All right, great. Uh, Well, uh, those have been just some of the unintended benefits of improv. Uh, I know we kind of jumped point to point to point, but I think there's just so many to name. It'd be impossible to. There could be like a part two, like a part 19 of unintended benefits. It's better for your skin. You get better sleep. There's so many. Better sleep. I'm like your vitamin D up, up, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe like bring a scientist on for like those kind of benefits. I don't want to do that. Imagine <laughs> we get a scientist on, they do tests like, yeah, your endorphin levels are very low and you're not getting a laugh. <laughs> you like, need yeah, it, David. You're addicted to getting laughter now, you sicko. And I'm like, yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, keep eating Taco Bell every set. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. I'm like, just because like Wendy's is close to the clubhouse. Just, oh my gosh. Go. I'm glad you said it. I like, nobody ever says it. We always talk about like McDonald's or whatever, but like Wendy's is so off of Vermont and uh, Fountain. You think I don't yeah. know? I know. Yeah, you, I know, you know. I know we all know. We all know and none of us are talking about it. <laughs> We're not talking about the fact that <laughs> Wendy's chilies is $2.39, which is so cheap. It's one of the cheapest chilies. It goes down easy. It goes down real easy. And I'm like, and I'm telling you like a frost, like there's nothing like a frosty on a summer night. So, and don't lie to yourself. Like, Oh, it's a baked potato. It's baked. It's healthier. Right. Just like not after you put the butter and the cream and the sour cream, baby. Yeah. Cream. So, Oh, no, we know, we know one step at a time. (laughs) I'm never going to have a doctor on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Unless you like, yeah, please don't for all of us. They'd be like, how you treat improv is unhealthy. No, 
I don't care. I'm dying an addict, baby. <laughs> I'm an OD on this stuff. And there you go. That's the perfect end. <laughs> That's the perfect end. All right. This has been our topic of the week discussing the unintended benefits of improv. Yay. We're going to go ahead and uh, go into our last segment now, which is our hot improv takes. Uh, I can go first. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Hot improv takes. We're just going to go off for a few uh, seconds about an improv trend that we don't like or that we'd love right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, hot improv take. Let the audience yell out stuff. Let them interact with you. I, I know sometimes people are like, everybody, we see a suggestion and I don't need you to do anything else. I'm, I don't need you to scream out anymore. Who cares? It's improv. I, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't had that experience yet. But like, I think it's fun. Let them heckle a little bit. I did. I was in a show. I saw a show um, last week and there was an audience member and she was just like not feeling it. And she was just like, like, uh, 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 like, yeah, no, what? <laughs> like out loud. And people like looked visibly like uh, affected by it. But I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of living for her. I don't know what she's going through right now, but she is just like speaking her truths, whatever. She's she engaging. Doing. She's in it. She's in it. She is engaged. She's present. It's all the stuff that we ask uh, a good improviser to be just because she's in the audience doesn't mean she can't participate. So that might be a super hot take, but I just say, let people yell it out. Let them feel what they feel. So it's very funny you said this because about two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, I don't know. But at the OC Improv Fest, somebody screamed out to me and said, what did you say? And I said, home. And they're like, what? And it was really funny. And I felt <laughs> like it didn't feel mean heckling. It felt like they were so engaged in our set that they like wanted to know. So I was like, oh, they're just really in it. So I'm kind of on, I'm, I agree with that hot take. Like if people are like feeling so involved in your set that they want to uh, interject, like, and it's not totally derailing you, fine, fuck it. Yeah. It's what I imagine like a, a religious awakening is like, where they're just like, I feel it. It's <laughs> like, like amazing second beat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, for now, you have full permission. You come to one of my shows. I'm going to scream at Lloyd Knight. They're going to kick me out. They're going to walk me out. They're going to be like, excuse me, you cannot be talking to them during Lloyd. And I'll say, it's cool. I gave her the, okay, I gave her the green permission. But uh, for now, everybody keep doing it. And who knows, maybe like in a month from now, my my next hot end I'll take, guys, you got to stop yelling stop at yelling me. Stop yelling at me. People need to stop yelling. <laughs> They're not booking me anymore, guys. Uh, that's mine for now. All right, do you have yours? Yes, I do. Um, I remember it. Um, okay. So this might be, this I know is divisive because I've talked about it with folks before, but I like when people break and I don't know if it's because I break. And so I'm like, just like that. I like laugh, but there is something about like, everyone used to give Jimmy Fallon shit all the time. It's like, he always breaks on SNL, but I would think it was funny. I'm like, they are having such a good time that like they're laughing and that feels um, like that feels so fun it feels like to like bring it back to the beginning of this episode it feels like I'm in on the inside joke like I feel like oh we're all laughing at this and I love it when people break during sketches or during sketches during improv sets like when I know glass clown makes you break I love it when you break like I love <laughs> it when other, I break all the time like because my teammates are just so fucking funny how am I supposed to not laugh like you we all play with sean smith and he initiates it's like oh, what am i supposed to do just be normal <laughs> <laughs> and so like look i understand that it can be distracting it can be a crutch for sure but as an audience member i will say like i enjoy when people break not the whole time and not when it gets like but like 
if there's something that's charming about it. And like, if we all wanted to like go do professional theater and have it be stuffy and perfect improv, then like, let's go do something else. Like, because we can do that. We can go see a comedy and like it not have a break. Fine. I've done that. I did that for years. Fine. But like improv is really funny. And like, if the person like who is playing is thinking that it's really funny, then like they're having a good time. Then I'm having a good time. Then we're all having a good time. Great uh, uh, take. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, and I'm glad you brought it too, because I was just uh, talking to this about some uh, talking with somebody else about this. I think like improv has like trends or waves, right? Of like things. And mm-hmm. like you said it, not me. There was, you know, a trend a couple of years ago where it was all like serious, dramatic people or people that have like theater backgrounds, you know? Mm-hmm. So because the cardinal rule for that is to not break character. Never. I think they brought that with them. And then that kind of permeated and the teachers talked about the the coaches talked about it. So it was really frowned upon, but after the pandemic, things have cooled down a bit. And also we all needed that, like, guys, we just need some fun. We need to have some joy. So when now people break, everyone's like, not only am I going to let it go, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Cause this, this is what we need right now. We all need to like release a lot of tension. So I think, I think breaking's in right now, baby. Yeah, breaking is back. And like, I, as someone who has such a like, did theater for so long and like would love to do shows again, like, there, I understand there's a time and place, but even when I like, I'm seeing sh- like show shows, like I saw Titanic um, when I was in New York and like, it is such a comedy. It's so silly. And they were making each other fucking crack up and they've been running for like well over a year. So I'm like, well, how cool. Like, <laughs> That it's gotten to, the, to Broadway, baby. Yeah, it's kind of off Broadway. Watch out. I'm like, oh, what next? Sorry, the old globe. Oh, yeah. Not Broadway. Not, 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 not yet. Not would never. I am sure that they're breaking off Broadway or on Broadway. Um, but yeah. I wouldn't know. Can't afford a ticket. And that's true. And can you believe the inflation of theatrical ticket prices is the next thing I really want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right great great hot take thanks so much for sharing it and uh everybody start breaking on stage and start yelling and start yelling start yelling and we'll start breaking (laughs) (laughs) all right great last thing we're gonna have you do is just to give us your plugs uh any projects or anything we can look forward to yeah so um stem kids um is my we improv team we perform um at the at friday's most Fridays, um, I know that the schedule is going to change a little bit, but um, most Fridays, 8.30 at the clubhouse. Um, and then I'm on the team, The Agenda. Um, we perform the, I actually think I had misspoke. We perform the third Sunday of the month um, at UCB. We've got our last official show there in that time slot in July. So please come um, on socials. I'm at Katie O'Hearn, K-A-T-I, no E. Um, and then I'm also going to be putting back up my one person show later in the summer. So, um, follow me, um, along for that journey. Exciting. Where is that? Do you know where it's going to be? Is it with the yard again? So I think I might put it up at Lyric Hyperion. Um, and then I want to uh, do it as a spank as well. So, oh, heck yeah. More info to come. Looking forward to that. All right. Great. Well, uh, thanks so much, Katie, for, for coming on and talking about your journey and, talking about some of the benefits of it. Thanks for having me, David. This was so fun. Absolutely. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Nailed it. Oh, thank you so much. This went so long. This was so easy. You're such a good host.